Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can make the least amount of mistakes as possible and succeed a lot faster. My goal is to keep things very straightforward because I value your time and you are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we learned directly from an architect what are entitlements and what are some good pieces of advice to have a smooth entitlement process for your development. And today we will go over how to how to analyze a property that you found and looks like a potentially good deal. And by the time that you get here, you will already have done your market analysis and you have a few MSAs that you like and that makes sense to invest in. A good MSA has a population that has been growing over the last few years. You also understand who are the major employers of that area and how many employees do they have. And out of these top five employers, is there a diversification of industries? Meaning these top five employers should not all be government employers. They should not all be in the healthcare industry or they should not all be in the oil industry. It's really important to have diversification in the employment side, just in case one of the industries takes a dip at some point in the future. Ideally, you want to be investing in a primary or secondary market. And by definition, a primary market has over 100,000 people living within a five mile radius, a secondary market has between 30 and 100,000 people living within a five mile radius, and a tertiary market has between 4,000 and 30,000 people living within a five mile radius. Now that should not stop you if you are really familiar with a tertiary market and it has been growing and you know that there isn't a ton of competition for whatever you are investing in or that there is enough demand for what you are investing in. One more thing that could be a valid point for investing in a particular MSA could be the fact that you know that something is about to happen in that city or that area. For example, there is a city called Lake Charles in Louisiana that has billions of dollars being invested in in order to build oil and gas refineries. And that is bringing a lot of jobs and a lot of housing is needed and infrastructure is needed to support that population growth. And even if you do know that something huge is about to happen in that area. You really need to be confident that that is happening. For example, there is a city near San Francisco called Oakland and Uber announced that they were going to move their headquarters over there. People started buying properties in Oakland left and right. And about a year later, Uber decided not to move there. The city is still growing. So that is a plus for these people. 
However, they could have taken a big risk if the city was not growing or if other employers were not moving to the area. But I remember specifically people saying, yes, Oakland is the biggest known secret that is going to continue booming because Uber is moving there with their thousands of employees. And they never did. So now that we got the MSAs out of the way, let's jump into the actual analysis. And I will be using a real property that I came across. It is a self-storage portfolio in Missouri. They had four properties and an additional property was in a strip mall. So they were leasing it. It was interesting because it was in one of our target markets. We asked for the offering memorandum and sometimes this OM is available on the websites that you find the property or sometimes you just need to sign a non-disclosure agreement before getting it. The first thing we do is we take all of the financial analysis numbers and we put into a spreadsheet. So that is all of the income and everything is broken down as it shows on the OM. And then we put all of the expenses on the Excel spreadsheet. Some of the expenses for this particular property are online advertising expenses, bank charges, employee benefits, insurance. There is a line item for the leased property that is on the strip center. And then there is a payroll expense. There are management fees, security expenses, telephone expenses, repair expenses, general and admin utilities, and the most important one, property taxes. Property taxes are the expenses that can kill deals for inexperienced investors. Why? Because the real estate agent is going to put the existing property tax in their analysis. And typically, you are buying the property for a higher price than what the seller bought it for. And so property taxes can double and sometimes triple, as it is in this example. And if you don't realize that until the last minute or even until after you purchase the property, that can be a huge problem. So in this example, the real estate agent put the existing property tax and out of a $3 million property, these taxes were $20,000. And so I asked the real estate agent, what do you estimate the property taxes will be at the $3 million purchase price? And the real estate agent answered $61,000. That is three times what they had in their financial analysis. This is something that you really need to be watching out for for these type of deals and also for other asset classes. As we have talked about before in the retail world, even though your tenants will pay for that tax, you really want to be considering if they can afford to pay for these additional taxes. And in the retail example, a lot of times they may have in their lease that the only increase in tax that they're willing to pay is an additional 10% per year, for example. And 10% per year doesn't cut it if your property taxes are being tripled, just like in this case. So here we are, the total 
property expenses are about $240,000 and the total net operating income is $133,000 with the new property taxes. Now, we have still not put the loan in this financial analysis. And the loan for commercial properties is around a 70% loan to value. In this example, at a $3 million purchase price, our loan would be $2 million, and we would have to put $1 million down. The term of the loan will be anywhere from 20 to 25 years. So what you do is you go to a loan or mortgage calculator, and you can just Google loan or mortgage calculator, and you put the loan amount, in this case, $2 million, you put an interest rate that is a little bit above what the market rate is just to be on the safe side. And today I am putting a 5% interest rate. And then you put a mortgage period of 20 and 25 years. And this is for you to understand what your payment will look like for both 20 and also 25 years. So for 20 years, in this case, it'll be 13,200 per month times 12 because we're calculating yearly, that's $158,000 in mortgage expenses. And mind you, this is with the principal reduction. This is not interest only. We're calculating the highest possible amount that you would be potentially paying. We're going to put that in our analysis, the 20-year, $158,000. Just with this calculation alone, we are going to be negative $24,000 per year on this property. And of course, you're not going to stop here because we have more work to do in understanding the potential upside for this particular property. And this negative $24,000 is a big red flag already. So the next step is we're going to be looking at self-storage properties that are close to this location, and we will see how much they are charging for similar units that each and every single property out of this portfolio is charging. This portfolio had properties that were actually pretty close to each other, so we just had to do analysis on the competition that was near these properties, and most of them were overlapping. So we quickly found out that this portfolio of properties was charging rents that was at least 10 to 20 and sometimes $30 more per unit size than any of the competition. <laughs> this means that there is zero upside for increasing rents because they were already significantly above the competition. And this is exactly where we stopped. We said there is absolutely no upside for this property. There is no upside in increasing rents. They are already charging significantly more than all of the competition near every single of these properties. And the property that was being leased on the strip center, they were making zero dollars. They were not making a penny out of that property, which was very interesting. And so the seller can want 
$3 million all day long. However, <laughs> from an investor's perspective, there is zero upside unless you are just looking at parking $3 million in cash in a property that is making okay money. That's the only reason that I see someone purchasing a property like this. And there are families and businesses that are interested in purchasing these properties just because they want a safe place to park $3 million. And in which case, they're just getting that quote-unquote 6% cap. Normally, these people are going to park their money on a property that has a 15 or 20 year lease and that lease is backed by a big company so they would probably park it in a retail property that has a really good tenant with really good credit that has signed a 15 or 20 year lease when going back to the financial analysis you really want to dig deep into the expenses can you cut some of these expenses and is that going to make sense in the numbers? In this case, for this particular property, even if we cut $10,000, we would still be on the red $14,000 per year and this is really not a good sign, at least for this property. And I also want to share briefly with you an example of a property that we had in contract last year in 2019. All of these numbers looked fine. There was some upside in increasing some of the rent. However, when it came time to get the actual bank statements on the income and the deposits, because the bank that you're going to get the loan from does require a historical proof of income, the sellers could not prove not even 50% of the income. They were supposedly getting cash. They had no copies of the checks that were coming in for that property, and they could really not prove any of the income on the property. And so we had to back out of that purchase. So even if the numbers end up looking good, you will probably run into something that is going to stop you in the tracks and it's perfectly fine to back out of an offer or to change your purchase price. So in this example of that property last year that we backed out of, before we backed out, I said, well, we can adjust our offer based on the numbers that they're proving which was 50% of the numbers that they were claiming. So that means basically a 50% reduction in the purchase price. And we can continue with the closing process. And the other alternative I gave them was to decrease the purchase price a little bit, only pay them at the cap rate that they could prove the income for, which was 50% of the income. And then one year later, after we have taken over the property and we see that all of the numbers are actually true and we can prove to the lender that these numbers have been coming in, we actually keep track of the income properly. Only at that time, we would pay the remaining price that we offered. And so that is the solution that I came up with. They did not want that. They wanted the full price, which 
Again, they can want that all day long. However, people are not going to end up purchasing this property if they cannot prove the income to the bank. And also, it is very unwise to buy something that the seller cannot prove that there is income on the property. Here are a couple of examples for self-storage property analysis. There is a lot more that goes into it. There are a lot of questions that we ask the agent and it's really important to understand the entire picture. It's a good idea to go back to one of our first episodes titled Questions You Should Be Asking the Seller's Agent When Interested in a Property. I hope this was useful to all of you. If you have any questions, make sure to reach out to us under contact us on our website. The link is under show notes. And make sure to subscribe to our newsletter on the top of the page of our website if you haven't already. And I would like to thank one of our latest reviewers, Backward Ghost. Wonderful podcast. Great info. Learning a ton from this podcast. And I love Stephanie's personality. She's friendly, practical, and thoughtful. I'm not even sure what's in it for her. She's not trying to sell anything. Maybe she's just a charitable person. Crazy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Backward Ghost. I really appreciate your review. One of the reasons that I started this podcast is to get my name out there for when we start syndicating some of the properties that we are purchasing. Another reason was to get to know people in the industry and they are all incredible and humble people. And another reason is to also give back because it is really important to give back whenever we can. And as long as I think that I'm sharing really useful information with everyone. I will continue to do this. And imagine if we can help one person become financially independent with some of the knowledge that we are sharing in this podcast. That already makes it all worth it. And it really does bring joy to my heart to see wonderful reviews like yours. I really deeply appreciate it. See you guys next time.